passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. I'm Mike Chipos, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. Slight delay for your boy here. I was just running through all these options in my mind of how some of our friends' lives stink. We have half (laughs) or or 66% of the panel here today. With 75%, bruh. Well, I'm not counting myself. 66% of the others but 75% of the total pod. Parker is missing. Do we call it AWOL or have we assigned him leave? I'm not sure. Um, but the Cords brothers- are I actually gave him leave today, so we're good. You gave him leave today? Okay, so he's not AWOL. He's just absent. Um, boys, we had, a, we had a wild one last night I, or last week. You guys were in the building. How, just before we even get to the recap, what was it like being in the building? How was it? it I mean, it was absolutely unreal. The, the energy in there was incredible. Obviously, completely different from beginning to end. Uh, the first couple fights, like the Douglas Silva de Andrade fight, as negative as that mm-hmm. was for us, it was like you could hear the smack of every single kick, every single punch, every time they hit the mat. And then you go to the main card to the, to the point where we had Izzy and Robert walking out, and it was a packed house, just palpable energy. It was fucking nuts. I'm no longer then, giving but, you I'm no longer giving you casual status, Kobe, but I was gonna ask, as someone who like is this your first was this your first UFC event? Second. Second. Um, but I will say right, Kobe? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, so you're, you're I will say by the end of it, as people are walking out, once we have a Derek Lewis loss, the hometown guy, hometown guy lost, people were upset about that. And there's a lot of people that were disappointed with the scoring of the Izzy Bobby Nux fight and talking about it in the bathroom afterwards. Yeah. So I'm well, sure we'll get to that in the recap. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. I want to hear. And so let's start it off with, with a, with, I would call it like a minor headline, Foxy Roxy. Uh, she made a retirement fight judges though. Houston judging was not absent. They gave someone gave Roxy a split decision, which is hilarious, but how did, how did Casey O'Neill look to you too? in that one because Foxy Roxy's, I mean, she came in at minus 400. I think Danny, both of us had her in legs of the parlays. How, how, how'd you feel about that fight? How that went down? Um, I thought that she performed pretty well. She didn't blow me out of the water. I thought that Roxy stuck around. Roxy was able to keep up with the pace, which is something that shouldn't happen with Roxy being her retirement fight and her 
being slower and less athletic than Casey was. But Casey got it done. It was in no danger at all. Um, Even though the scorecards would tell you otherwise, it it was clear that, yeah. Okay, so we're also going to mention, because you had a bet on Sergey Morozov. I, I think everyone on the podcast tailed, to be honest. Wasn't a bad read by any means. I don't want to let that out there, but Morozov had him on, on skates multiple times, had a gnarly cut above Andrade's uh, right eye, almost a, an inch to the, to the left, and they call the fight. What, I mean, does this say anything about Morozov's future, the inability to continue? I mean, he, or like not continue, but like he really started to fall and Andrade built up momentum and against guys, I mean, Andrade is obviously a phenomenal fighter, but against some of the guys that we probably put in his path, you can't do that. Yeah, for me, it was kind of what we talked about in the breakdown. He got tagged and then just completely unraveled. He couldn't find his composure and regain his footing. Um, I think it was that initial left hand that just landed right on the chin, and then he got dropped like two or three more times in the next minute and a half. And it was just, I mean, we see it all the time. It was just the story of him getting tagged and unable to find his balance. And Douglas Silva de Andrade was capitalizing I. I mean, he took him to the ground, got that rear naked, absolutely choked his lights out. It yeah. was it was phenomenal. Like legit lights out. And this one, to, the only thing that's a, a fair nod to Morozov is that Andrade has to be one of the hardest hitting 135ers. The dude is built like a freight truck. So it doesn't get much harder from there. Kobe, I see you got something tip of your tongue. We're we talking bonuses. I know we went over it, but. Yeah, well, we could, two things. Bonus, yes. This one was fight of the night. Yep. You guys have hit it all. Danny and I were talking about this on the way out the door. If Morozov hits there and that's a winner, yeah. this might be the greenest night of my life. But not quite. I'm it's okay. Lot, Still very green. And I definitely don't want to move us backwards, but I do want to say that it wasn't too bad of a hurt being the third fight of the night having cast on the first two. Yeah. We, so we, actually- we were real heavy on these early fights. So I actually was planning to move backwards, not for too long. Wasn't going to mention the William Knight fight. He missed uh, weight by 12 pounds. And that fight was boring. Snooze fest. Yeah. I mean, Grisham did what he had to do to win, but no one was ever in real danger. I mean, it was just, it was meh. Um, But the Blood Diamond, Jeremiah Wells fight, I want to talk about, because Jeremiah Wells is a guy we're going to see a lot more. Blood Diamond, I'm not so sure. I mean, Izzy has a lot of rank here, so maybe... But he just looked like a fish out of water. I mean, Jeremiah Wells, once it got to the mat, I mean, that was – it was pretty much done from there. Sounds Even like- with that weird start where Jeremiah, like, ran yeah. around the outside of the cage and tripped and was, like, immediately in an awkward position, I thought that was going to be, like, detrimental. But, yeah, Blood Diamond does not seem to be UFC caliber and MMA yet. Maybe his striking is there, but Jeremiah Wells knew that and was just like, dude, we're not going to fucking strike. I'm going to choke you out. Right. Um, and that's what happened. Yeah, that's the theme right now around city kickboxing is the narrative seems to be less less ground game, but all just phenomenal kickboxers. And 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 we'll just move up the ranks then and, and jump a couple and just talk about that Carlos Olberg fight. I mean, it's a guy that's newer to the MMA scene, but it has a long, extensive career as a kickboxer, taking down a guy who he should eat, handled much more easily than he did, as in... It was unanimous decision. I, I don't want to say I would, like, someone needs a finish. I would have liked to see a finish here. He, I would have. I, I wasn't I felt- so disappointed just because of the way his debut went. 
I thought that it showed a lot of maturity to just be patient mm. and keep landing and not gas yourself out and not go for the finish, not go head hunting, just get your points, win your rounds, stay out of danger and, and just kick this guy's ass for 15 yeah. minutes. And that's what he did. Um, I think hungry Harry brought it up when we, when I initially posted my play on Olberg just about him gassing and throwing like 200 strikes in seven and a half minutes. And I thought, I thought it was pretty good to see it and pretty positive to see him not throw it all out there and go for the finish in the way that I think he could have. And I think you saw he could have too. Honestly, that's a very, very fair point. Just because of the, how his first fight went to now, the improvements there make that a lot more understandable. The thing that bothered me is Fabio Chiron looked like a deer in headlights. He wasn't throwing anything back. He wasn't returning. And I he get had no that- success. None. After the and first. I, in the first, he was throwing. Was he? So so it slowly decreased. And I guess he didn't. He blew his wad, unlike Olberg. But I guess, like, if Olberg really wants to make a name for himself in the UFC, this isn't the way to do it. Now, now he's very marketable. I mean, the dude's handsome as all hell. He he turned down The Bachelor. He's He's got, you know, connections in the sport, so on. But I don't know. I was still underwhelmed. I know we had him as a potential ankle lock, and we went a different way which also was fine. Um, but yeah, it, 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 uh, I don't know, a little upsetting to me, just a little bit, not the end of the world. Okay. Uh, oh, I wanted to get your opinion on Ronnie Lawrence just cause it was a dominant first two rounds. And then he clearly lost the third and even got rocked there for a second. I only want to bring it up. Yeah. I only want to bring it up and touch on it a second. Cause I know you were a bigger fan of, of Ronnie Lawrence. And so that, I mean, his line was minus 400. He showed it for a little bit and then faded do you are you still feeling strong about Ronnie Lawrence or is that faded a little bit? I'm feeling strong about Ronnie Lawrence. I think I was just impressed with Mana's durability, to be honest. Mm. I did I think that Ronnie was surprised that he came out as strong as he did in the third, and I was equally surprised sitting there. I thought that Ronnie looked phenomenal in the first two, and I thought similar to Morozov, if he doesn't get caught and become off balance, it's still just a dominant round again. But um sometimes your chin is just out there. And, and that's the beauty of this sport. A millisecond yeah. can change absolutely everything. Yeah. That, that is really the beauty of the sport. I mean, in a basketball game, when a team's down 30, you can turn off the TV and phone it in. It doesn't matter if a guy loses 10, eight, 10, eight, he can come back in that round and spinning and back fist. And all yeah. of a sudden it's on. We've seen it. Okay. You're a jujitsu practitioner. You're, you're, you are the ankle pick pod resident. Parker's slowly trying to steal that title, but Kyler Phillips ripped up a nasty, triangle that he changed into an arm bar i don't know if we need to touch much on it kobe did he get a bonus of any sort or did he get robbed nothing robbed. all right that's tough that was a beautiful submission in my book i, yeah. I that's absolutely bonus. terrific performance yeah. yeah he he was getting it done both on the feet and whenever he tried to wrestle and then uh absolutely he had the option for like two to three different submissions ended up locking the triangle and rolling on top and then just taking the arm home with him. It was fucking sweet. Yeah. It was, it was a great mid adjustment because he had the triangle and then uh, Rojo escaped out the back instantly adjusted to, to lock that arm bar up. It was beautiful watching on TV. Okay. Andre Lowski won. It was via split decision, another questionable one, but the 43 year old keeps trucking. I'm excited to see what's next for him. I mean, he's just really just lining him up and, and bringing him down. He, he looks better at 43 than a lot. Or a lot of people are saying he looks better at 43 than he did at, at 23, which is just incredible to see. Guys. Yeah, it really is. Bobby Green uh, 
defeated Nazareth Hackprest. No, wouldn't mention this one normally, but I'm going to just because I know you guys probably went over it in news and notes, but he stepped in for Islam Makachev, or not Islam Makachev, for Bernal Dariush, this upcoming uh, fight week. So he's got a really quick turnaround time. Didn't take a lot of damage here, especially, which is interesting because Nazareth is the striker that he is. It's interesting that Bobby Green's head movement is so fucking elite that he, he kept his hands right at his hips the whole time. Too. It always happens. Yeah, he's crazy with it. He he, and you saw that in the Fizian fight too, or the Fiziev. He, he keeps his hands at his at his knees and like his hips, and then he just throws them up from the weirdest angles. It's he's a joy to watch. Unfortunately, Islam stylistically is a nightmare. At the risk of bringing us back a little bit, I just want to call yeah. out Olberg too. He fights so such a wide stance with his hands down yep. so far too. Another guy. Yeah. It is. It's 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 interesting for sure. It it almost to me though, like at least in the Olbergs, it's almost disrespectful because it shows how little of a threat he felt like Bobby or Schrant was. Where at least Bobby Green's like, well, my head movement's on par. I'm fine. Olberg was just like, you're not even gonna do anything to me. I don't care. So I, that was badass. I made a late adjustment right before the card started. And actually bet. Uh, Moicano here. I felt really good about it going into the last couple hours before finalizing it. What it did make its way onto bet tips, but or bet MMA tips or whatever. But phenomenal performance. Alexander Hernandez. I don't think he's gone. Like I don't think he's on his way out. But he definitely is is deflated. He said it himself, and he's got. He definitely has some adjustments. I mean, he he has the physicality. He has the like the foundation. It's just like I don't know. Lightweight's just so fucking stacked, man. Very much so. Yeah. All right, let's talk these final three. First one being the ankle lock, and it cashes again. So let's talk units. Kobe, what are we looking at? 10.25 in 2022. That's three and one record. Yep. This Cannoneer yep. minus 140 is where we got him. And Moves just- us from 10th into 8th in the lock of the night challenge. Uh, I think we're less than half a unit away from 7th. But, yeah, we're, we're climbing, especially after having the brutal loss to, to start out. Yeah, we're we're the tortoise, not the hare. I mean, we'll some people like going for those high money. We're just gonna keep hitting over and over again, and it's very similar to what happened last year for the ankle pick boys. Is we we were trending around that five hundred line, then just took off in the end of the year, and we we really crushed it. So that's unbelievable as always. But Jared Cannonier, phenomenal performance. What came from this is really interesting. Derek Brunson is said he's gonna fight one more time, and then he's done. I mean, this really was his last run. He's thirty eight. And he took, I mean, this finish too was nasty. That finishing elbow was, they put it in slow-mo and I literally almost fucking puked. It was so flush right on but the But it was out, wasn't without a little bit of shakiness in that first round. You give an extra 30, 45 seconds to Derek there and, and maybe Jared, our boy, gets choked. It's um, possible. It's possible. And that's what's so phenomenal too is it's like, it's like it shows the skill set that someone like Brunson can bring to the table with the wrestling, but it also shows that like, Jared Cannonier was able to withstand that and keep his stamina being as chiseled as he is. Like it, he's a he's tough a out. He's a tough out. And what, and the reason, and what comes from that too is Cannonier called his shot. He says, I want winner. I want next. Sounds like Dana White's going to give it to him. It seemed like there was some sort of and like, yeah, he called him out afterwards. Izzy's already said that Cannonier's got next. Okay. So there you go. So Cannonier's got next. I don't think he's going to be able to bring, yeah, go for it. I said two things. One bonus. Two, yep. do y'all know the live line after the first round there? So I didn't. I thought Bronson was going to be the favorite, but someone 
one of you two told me already. Yeah. So Brunson after the first round, after dominating and like Danny said, another 30, 45 seconds in there and it could have been a finish. Brunson was still plus like 110. We had Cannoneer minus 140 or something like that live. And had it been on my phone and had an extra split second to actually press send, I was panicking. Yeah. The Vegas knows. I would have done it. No, the only thing about it too is Brunson fades and you could see him fading, not necessarily at the end of the first, but the walk back to the stool. And then once he came out in the second, it only took about 30 seconds to a minute before he was starting to disappear a little bit. But Cannoneer lost to Whitaker. So... And not, not all that long ago either. So it's like, I, I don't, Izzy's in a weird spot where they can keep lining him up, but I don't know if anyone's going to be able to present the challenge that Bob can, which puts it in a weird spot. Absolutely not. Yeah. Okay. We got to talk co-main too. And it, and what's weird about it is I felt really good about Lewis here. I, I try to stay away from heavyweights, especially guys with this style, but I figured that, Tuivasa is just a poor man's Derek Lewis. I mean, they're both very personable. They both stay in the pocket. They both throw hard as fuck. It's just more like Derek Lewis is more tenured. You know what I mean? Derek Lewis has done it more often. He's more consistent with it. Where Maybe Tuivasa, he has more power. Maybe. Because I honestly, I don't know anymore. I thought yeah. so a week ago. Right. I thought for sure. But we're, I mean, Tuivasa had a three-fight skid there in 2019 where he was losing to like Lagoy Ivanov, Sergey Spivak, which are not like horrible losses. But your take going in isn't bad at all. You look at the Greg Hardy exchange where Ty gets tagged and then lands a, t- a shot of his own versus like the Curtis Blades uppercut right. where Derek Lewis just precision, didn't throw, waited, loaded up, right. found the button, and it was just – it was one of one. It was just like – it wasn't a bad take to think that the delivery that Derek Lewis was going to have was just going to be more accurate, more precise, better timed. And that's time when they went tie was and watching Derek Lewis's whole career. That's what kind of came me to this conclusion is like you watched him grow because he went from a guy who was slanging and banging, slanging and banging would gas out, would hold his stomach because he has to take a shit, eat fried chicken, like doing all this dumb shit. And then it slowly, slowly worked his way up into polishing his craft. And now you see him fighting for titles. I thought Tuivasa was like early days Derek Lewis. I mean, he's still ripping shoeies. He clearly, he's a little bit like Derek Lewis has gotten more fit, more toned. Tuivasa is, is no fucks given on that front. And he, he's had kind of an easier walk than I would say Derek Lewis has, like with Stefan Struve and Harry Hunsucker. So I just thought that the line wasn't that bad. Holy shit. I think Tui Vasa has a granite chin for one because Derek Lewis landed. I mean, you guys were there. Derek Three, Lewis four, five times. Right. Oh, my gosh. Flush. Oh, my God. He landed. And you didn't even see as much of a wobble. And then the second Tui Vasa landed in the clinch there, it was – I mean, it was folding. He felt – he just folded. He absolutely folded. So, there might be a new sheriff in the hardest-hitting aspect. Definitely. Yeah, and, and maybe if you're – one of our few YouTube watchers, you recognized me as Derek Lewis was walking out there, but I think I, I got <laughs> on the broadcast and that was my, that was my claim to fame before, before I got a couple front row seats for some chewy vases. Yeah. But, we're uh, have to post that picture on the Twitter. Cause it was high res. And you, you, I know one of Kobe's favorite memes is that Mr. Krabs with the blur everywhere. That's what you look like. Just everything's blurred, but Dan's locked in. We're in Houston and Derek Lewis just lost. I'm, I'm fucking still shocked. Right. It's a weird one, especially a fight that was tailored for him. Okay. Bonus for Tuivasa. 
yeah, Tuivasa, well-deserved. All right. I don't want to get too long into this because if you follow us on Twitter, you know that I had went on a drunken rant right after. I know that the, the go-to argument for everybody has been, oh, well, he because he's champ, he didn't lose those rounds. And, and I guess I get that argument. Like Robert, Robert didn't do anything that made me go like, oh my God, he destroyed Izzy. This is robbery. All I'm saying is I've watched it back. I've watched it three times full, the original and two after every single time. And I'm not kidding. Every single time my scorecard comes back the same. 48, 47 Whitaker. For me, the pivot round is just that round three. And I gave, I gave one, two, three to Izzy. See, and that's the part that that's the part where you lose me because two and three is too tough to give both of those to Izzy. He didn't do anything. And he, I know he, Rob he did more damage. He landed more. And for me, the Robert takedowns, it didn't, it wasn't a ton of ground control time in either round. And he didn't do much with either of them. There weren't sub attempts, there weren't elbows, there weren't ground and pound. But he and, but maybe I would think a little differently if he had done a little bit with each takedown. No, but I, I see that point. But what it is, is it's like Whitaker in round two, especially Whitaker had two less significant strikes, but he forced that takedown. And I know it was only 30 seconds of control, but it's still pushing the offensive that in my opinion, and my opinion clearly is worth diddly squat, but my opinion, it, it, it counteracts those two strikes, especially because Izzy was playing that counter game and it's like i know Izzy was playing the counter game yet was somehow more active in all those three rounds yet landed more it was just because rob just tripled up that left and he never threw his right and i really think that that hurt him and maybe it was because in that first round when he threw the right is when he got knocked down and maybe he was just really apprehensive to throw it again a a little bit of fear but um I think it hurt him when he, even when he was tripling up that jab and catching Izzy, a right could have added so much to it. And it felt like it was just was too little too late it's, from him. It's the distance though, that Izzy can maintain while still striking. That makes it so hard for a guy like Rob, who used to fight at 170. It's hard for him to close that distance. Like really fucking hard. It's Where, hard for anyone in middleweight. I mean, you see is. Izzy, he's, he's built like a, precision striker he's built yeah. to be behind that jab and land those counters and, and figure you out it was just frustrating for me especially being on Whitaker by decision and Whitaker and I know obviously people are like oh well that skews you and it does I won't even lie that definitely played a factor but everyone's talking about how if it, basically that Izzy didn't deserve to lose the belt but I wouldn't necessarily say either that he deserves that's, the right team. That's one of my least favorite arguments. I, 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 hate I think you I hate can't it so go much. into any fight thinking you have to beat the champ to be the champ. No, it is a fight. We're, we're judging the fight. I just – even being in there, um, being in the room, which is a, is a little different than watching it on the broadcast. You, you don't For get sure. to see as much of the I – mean, you don't get to see any replays, any kind of insight between rounds. It's a lot more based on crowd feeling too. Um, I thought it could have gone either way after the fight. Then the store scorecards came in and I immediately knew I said, it's Izzy. There's no yeah, way that Robert that, got this unanimously. It was once that 49 came in that I knew someone fucked it, but like, have you had an opportunity to watch it back yet or no? I don't want to throw you on the spot. If you have just once, just once oh, like live once or watch it on through the broadcast too. through the broadcast. 
Oh, and, and did you have a different outcome or did you still feel the same way? I, I still, I thought there were four close rounds. I thought there were three close rounds. I three. thought Izzy took one clearly. I thought yeah. that Robert took five clearly. And okay. Yeah. I had, two I had three. I gave Izzy. Fair. That's, I mean, I don't hate it. I just, I don't know. I felt really robbed at the time. And as the week's gone on and I've watched it a couple more times, I still think and knew wouldn't have been the end of the world. But you know what? Izzy, I think knows that Whitaker is the toughest draw at middleweight. I think Whitaker knows that he's the toughest challenger at middleweight. And I just hope that people don't start holding Izzy as this like God amongst men when, you know, he struggled against Gastelum. He ended up getting the job done, but like he barely beat Whitaker. Like I know he's improving tremendously, but he's really cutting these close sometimes. I mean, oh, way too close yeah. than, than fans are, are happy with, but. Right. There's got to be something said for doing just enough to win. And somehow he's cerebral enough to know. And that that's luck is going to run out. Dana White says it all the yeah. time. Never leave it in the hands of these and, idiots. And it's going to run out. We know that and as fans. And weird, too, is going into this, we were talking about how Rob is that guy. He's always been that guy. He stole those Yoel decisions. He is a guy that's very similar to that, where it's like he knows how to do just enough to steal each round. I know him and his camp believed he did enough. Um, but yeah, you know what? I, I think another thing that was really interesting before we move on is Izzy mentioned that Rob's younger than him. Rob's mm -hmm. like a couple of years too, not like a couple months. I mean, I think Rob's like 28, 29 and Izzy's like 33 or something like that. So it is shocking, uh, like truly shocking how similar the career trajectories of Robert Whitaker and Max Holloway are. Mm, I, these yeah. two guys popping up out yeah. of city kickboxing that are older than them. I agree. That somehow came out of nowhere and have been the only guys that are just better than them. It's insane. And, and it's the same way too, because if you look at Max, it's like one, everyone unanimously agreed he lost. The other people are like, oh, Max won. Same thing here. One, I mean, Robert Whitaker got stouched. And this one, everyone's like, oh, it could go either way. It is it is very interesting. Both way younger than you'd expect. and Both would, way better than the rest of the division. Also, let me know if this is a hot take. I would bet that both of them hold gold again. I would. I think I would take that if I could. Parlay, it's a great bet. They've got a long career left. If I could parlay those two together, I would. I think I could see myself doing that. I like it. Yeah. Nonetheless, couldn't though, be nicer not, dudes too. Oh my god! I know. I know. Both of them. I mean, Max Holloway's so fucking cool, and Rob Whitaker, the way he handles himself and presents himself, is just like seems like one of the nicest guys around. Like truly. Reese, for that bet to cash for them both the old gold, do they have to do it at the same time? No. Just and to would, hold, you, would you still bet that? No. It's to hold gold again in their career. It, it, that would get too finicky. But I think both of them will eventually hold gold again in their career. Fair enough. Okay. Even if they pull like a GSP and come back when there's someone who like a, a Bisping holding it. And like, How oh. is a guy I could see doing that and being a huge favorite? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I could see that too. Especially because Holloway's skill sets, like, don't go – they don't go out of – like, they don't wear on you with age as much as, like, someone who's, like, a pressure wrestler or something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um. All right. You guys want to move on to this week's card? Uh, Let's do – Walker news and notes, and then we'll I, – I, we're, we're recording out of order here a little bit, but let's cut for news and notes and then come back for this week's card. So a little bit out of order here. We're actually recording news and notes first, but – Let's just jump in. We got DK and myself, Country Club. Let's, let's hit it with news and notes. Um, 
Ooh, I haven't done these in order yet. So we're just going to go as we see them. This week, we've got a few changes. Obviously, we had the JSP news coming in. He's got a new opponent. Um, you heard from him at the beginning of the week. And he will be fighting Christian Rodriguez. Is that right, Dan? Yep. Christian C-Rod Rodriguez out of Rufus Sport up in Milwaukee. Um, an unproven fighter on his debut. It should be interesting. We also have another last-minute fight announcement. Khalid Taha out of his fight against Mario Batista. But they found him a replacement as well, Jay Parent, for this week. Yeah, a little bit less exciting there. Uh, just because it's not our guy, and I haven't seen anything from Perrin that excites me a ton. Um, still kind of working on this week. Obviously, we found out over the weekend that Fizio RDA, who was supposed to be headlining this card, that has now been pushed. That was due to visa issues on Fizio's end, but that did get moved to UFC 272 beginning of March. Um, glad that's not at least an injury and we're still going to get to see that one because that's a banger battle that Raphael's definitely definitely uh, next week the big news on next week's card is Benil Dariush is out he has a broken fibula just reported today um, we'll see if surgery is necessary on a fibula I mean that's a pretty you know, sounds brutal that's that's a bad one that's a structural can happen to a nicer guy too Right, that's always taking the fight that everyone else is scared of, which is really what this one is. But now stepping in on 10 days notice is going to be Bobby Green, who we just saw at 271. Yeah, props to him on some gangster stuff. Um, I got to say, I, I'm a little bit disappointed in the UFC. Not so much like I expected more from them, but Bobby Green deserves a main event spot. He deserves this shine. This is a terrible matchup for him. It's on very short notice he's just recovering from a fight that went 15 minutes regardless if he won or not um i still think he deserves his own main event spot and, and props to him for stepping up it's just an unfortunate situation really tough situation mm-hmm. um and we already set the spread for this one so it's not going to be spoiling anything but i saw him open up at like a plus 600 dog to islam's minus 800 that makes sense um Ramiz Brahimaj and Michael Gilmore also on that 226 card. I think that Michael Gilmore or maybe Ramiz Brahimaj was an injury sub for someone. I'm, I'm blanking on it, but Gilmore is an all-time fade. Yeah, Brahimaj, Fortis MMA. It's kind of been hit or miss, but yeah, Gilmore, like Kobe said, all-time fade was a loser on the tough series that we said was full of losers. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that pretty much says it. He couldn't even make it on the season, and then he's lost. What he fought at two sixty seven, I think. Though yeah, he fought Petrosky, was... and Petrosky gassed. Like Petrosky didn't even look good. Well, even and since then, Gilmore the also fought. I think on the same card that Petrosky also fought on on two sixty seven. I could be missing mix, mixing that up, but I think the Gilmore's fought one more time since then. I'm unsure. Anyways, two seventy two, beginning of March. That's the Colby Jorge card. Umar Nurmagomedov stepping in versus Brian Kelleher. That's just lamb to slaughter. Yeah. No more, nothing um, more bad. Let's uh let's jump to one that I know that you're excited about, DK. Jai Herbert, Ilya Tapuria booked for March 19th in London. Yeah, I don't know why they're doing this to the London crowd. They're gonna 
absolutely murder their boy and all of his hype. I've been on Jai Herbert before. I think he's a good striker, but Ilya is just a different animal. This is a guy I was going to ride over Evloev, over Jordan, over any of the other guys that um, he was supposed to fight. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this one. Ilya Topuri is a guy that I just think is unbelievable. So here's some news that I missed. I don't know. This was news to me when I read it, which, you know, I, I do my best to stay on top of this. So I don't know how I missed it. But apparently Jan Blahovich and Alexander Rakic has been off for about two weeks now. Um, real unfortunate. I mean, it's a spinal injury for Blahovich, so it doesn't sound like that's, you know, something. That they, I know that there's speculation that they're trying to get it on a pay-per-view card in May, but that even seems quick for a spinal injury. So we'll see. But it's tough news for Rakic, who's just – already such an inactive fighter and has been and this seemed like a really good opportunity for him to step in and really give himself a chance at a title definitely yeah i mean just puts more pressure and weight on the glover jerry fight seems like when we talked about futures the winner of that is almost a shoe in at this point to be still holding that's what we were talking year. about in that futures episode it's like you know how often can you be certain that there's going to be two fights for a title in, in a single year mm -hmm. and i mean now we're approaching the end of February. And I mean, I know we have the title fight booked, but the contender fight is might not happen until very much up in the air. Well, you know what that summer, means? It might just be, it could fall. just be Rakic as, as getting that next shot. If, if it's a clean fight for Yuri and Glover, they could just throw Rakic next. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised regardless of how it goes with a fight at the very end of December, honestly, for so, maybe the last pay-per-view of the year. So we went in with that's a tough break for Rakic, but it, he could just step into a title shot after all this. So yeah, but he'd have that's, to, that's he'd have to get some Dan White privilege, right? Um, we've got a new main event on that three twenty six Columbus card. Yeah, that that's another one that that's a, a, it's a fight night card that's in an arena, so they had to kind of replace the headliner to, in order to still sell tickets. But Curtis Blades, Chris Dawkins, heavyweight bout that's going to be stepping in as the main event there. Yeah. Chris Dalkus, I feel like they're just giving him a lot more than he can chew. I mean, you look at the Derek Lewis fight. Now he's going to fight the best wrestler that's at heavyweight, that maybe at the history of heavyweight. No disrespect to Daniel Cormier, but I always thought he was more of a dominant wrestler at 205. Um, but yeah, just a tough matchup for the older Dalkus or the bigger Dalkus. I don't know which one's older. The last fight announcement we have is actually not even a UFC announcement, but AJ McKee and Pitbull 2 got booked. Um, that's going to be April 15th for Bellator 277. Very excited about that one. Our guy AJ McKee is about to just do it again. I mean, we said it during the interview, but he finished Pitbull twice during that fight, and Pitbull still wasn't satisfied. I, I think it's still going to be another first-round knockout. I have no reason to believe otherwise. AJ McKee is really the future of 145. It's, it's a shame we're never going to see him bulk or him, him Holloway just because Dana White doesn't want to see his guys brought down a peg. Well, he's so young that maybe there's a chance for him to, you know, end up signing a UFC contract. He's got this is the last fight on his current contract. Or a super so. fight. Maybe Coker and White agree to do something absolutely I don't crazy. See that. If he becomes that big of a megastar. There could be a super fight. I mean, he's one of the only I'm, guys in the world that I could picture that happening for. And it's because of how phenomenal and young he is. It's just like a, it, it's, it's so hard for that 
to happen and for both guys to agree on that. I'm, I'm not saying the fighters, I'm saying that the promoters, it's just, it's somebody just loses their star or just gets their star knocked down a peg. So it's, it's a tough one to swallow. Definitely. That's, that's what we got for news and notes. Awesome. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll pass it off to what we have this week. We're going to run through the preview of UFC Vegas 48 Walker Hill and uh, kick it back over to Reese. All right, that wraps up news and notes. Let's get into this week's fight card, Saturday, February 19th, Walker versus Hill, which is the new headliner here. We got 12 fights, so it's decent. What's not decent is that fucking 3 p.m. Central start time. I'm sick of them shits. I miss the Fox era. The Fox Sports 1, 9 o'clock card start times go till 1. Oh, those are the days. But let's get into it. I mean, this one's... As Danny and I were prefacing earlier, it's not what we would love to see as far as like betting goes, but it's, it's there's the some exciting the- fighters. There's there's some definitely things to tune in for, some exciting matchups, good prospects. We don't love the numbers. No, it, it's it's hard. Like we'll start it off here with the with the curtain jerker, Chad and Ellinger. Coming off contender series versus Jesse Strader. And the line here is Ellinger minus 245, Strader plus 205. I mean, for me, I know Ellinger went into the contender series as a big dog, believe it or not. And and so it's like he, he pulled off a great win, which is awesome. He went in plus 340. Now he's minus 224 against Jesse Strader, a guy who I haven't seen anything from other than a fucking rapid finish by Montrell, Montel Jackson in his last time out and his only time out. I mean, what do you make of this? It's it's tough. Yeah, I won't be paying that price on a guy that we've only seen Dana White contender series. Yeah. Strader is good Muay Thai. I've seen that he tries to throw everything with power which can be really detrimental as the fight goes later. And Ellinger works behind his jab more, picks his shots a little better, which is why he's the favorite. But yeah, absolutely zero confidence going on either of these sides. Yeah, it's a layoff for me as well. I I just love that Ellinger's been in the game for a while, but that's all the more reason why, I don't know, coming, coming in plus 340 on your contender series fight is a tough to all of a sudden back at a minus 300. Vegas can be wrong, but they rarely are that. He does have some wins. I mean, Brady high stand. Yeah. Uh, but Brady was like 20 in that fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Diana Biblita versus Gloria De Paula. We've seen both these girls, but it's, I mean, it's again, women's 115. The line here is De Paula plus 107. And I doubt I'm pronouncing it right, but Biblita plus or Elbita. minus one. El- Biblia. Minus one twenty-seven. So it's 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 it doesn't necessarily even go to your science, Dan, because it's not really the dog here. It's kind of just neutral. Yeah, and I won't tell you to take any of these women. I've got some information. Belbito with a two-inch height advantage and one-inch reach, so it shouldn't be too much of an advantage. But she should have the size. Both women is both women have holes in their grappling. I tend to lean to Paula as the better grappler. But that's not saying that's a not ton. Saying much, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, DePaula, we last saw she got head kicked by Cheyenne Buys. No, Cheyenne Mary Vlismus. No, Cheyenne Roman Delize. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> but this is going to come down for me to whoever has more volume. I'm not betting it. 
No, this is the stay away as far as possible. I mean, Liana Jojua, who I know we're a fan of, but recently had a pink slip armbarred uh, Bibliton, like, I don't know, two minutes. But then she beat Hannah Golding. It's just inconsistency and low level uh, in, a, in an unpredictable division. It's, a, it's an absolute pass. I would be shocked if someone came to me straight face and said, I have a lean there. Chaz Skelly. What the fuck? I feel like I haven't, he's 36 and he hasn't fought oh since 2019, 2018, 2017. So about one fight a year is what, it, what his going rate is these days. And he is taking on Mark Striegel. And the line is Chaz Scully minus 200, Striegel plus 170. So the Wiley will vet coming in here and he, he's coming in at, at a big favorite. I love to see it. What do, you, what do you think? I mean, the only film really that I had on Striegel was uh, 51 seconds long when Saeed finished him, you know? So I, it's again, another one that's just, I can't pay that price on a, on a 37 year old, but at the same time, I don't love the prospect here either. Um, I was watching a little bit of his one championship stuff that it's not very recent. It's back 2015, whatever. Um, he does have a win over Kai Car France, but, that's not what I'm talking about. A 145er? What the fuck? What did they fight at? Skelly has had a long layoff due to like a ton of injuries. Um, and actually, I've been hearing him kind of toy with the idea of retirement, which isn't great. We talk about the one foot in, one foot out uh, mentality being really detrimental. But I'm not a big Striegel fan either. He's shown to have terrible cardio. He gasses. Um, I know that he's recently moved down to the MMA lab in Arizona and probably has a strength advantage or maybe a game plan advantage. But both these guys being grapplers, Skelly just seems to be the better scrambler um, and him not gassing like Striegel does. And then also having his nasty Darces and Anacondas and, and kind of all of those, that whole front choke series. I lean Skelly, but I'm not yeah. playing Skelly. Could you, could you see a potential finish or is that, I mean, like I, I could see a sub when uh Striegel gasses and then, maybe shoot for a shit takedown like we saw him do against Nurmagomedov and uh, Skelly. Like I said, he loves that front choke series and he could easily lace up a Dars or something. It's just, these are the type of fights that I really try to stay away from. Cause it's like, you got an up and coming prospect who's hungry versus a guy who's way more tenured and and makes better decisions in there and like can control his gas tank. And it might not even want to be there. Right. That too. There, there's a lot of question marks here and another just pass. Okay. This is the only fight that I actually have a play on so far. It's Jessica Rose Clark for Stephanie Egger. It's women's 135. You're probably like, what the fuck? Uh, Jessica Rose Clark is minus 175. Stephanie Egger plus 157 or 150. That is not the play. The play is just the over. I, I've come into liking the over for just the fact that both these girls stylistically play into the over. Don't necessarily see a, uh, a finish on either side. And the over two and a half is only minus 205, which is like an, a palatable price for women's fights, in my opinion. But other than that, Dan, I didn't see a lean either way, other than stylistically, this fight can go long. No, I do love that. Table that, actually, because yeah. we might make a decision later in the week that actually goes back to that. Um, I had a dogger passed in terms of the money line. Jessica Rose Clark has looked good in her last two fights. She's athletic, good wrestler, boxer, which I think she's really beatable. The line should be much closer to even. Um, Egger, Egger's a mixed martial artist that deserves to be here. is is not supposed to be a huge dog, but 
I agree. I don't think either of these women get the finish. So I think that that 205 is actually a good price. And that's what I was thinking. It's cheap enough. Okay. So yeah. this actually is our ankle lock. And, and it, it's more. We for decided the, up the card. Yeah, take it. Yeah. What's We've up? got no ankle locks. We, we can start it right now. We discussed but a lot of different ways we could go here. And that's because we didn't have any ways that we love to go here. Uh, we both had some leans, nothing we were confident about. And it kind of jumped around what we want our ankle lock to be. We decided on something in the main event, but even as I'm saying it, I'm uncomfortable because I don't have the best read on the main event. Right. I think I'd be more comfortable with the, with the bet that you just said, but we'll decide on, on Saturday when we're placing it, stay tuned to our Twitters. We'll tweet out exactly what yeah. we placed for the lock of the night game. Um, but I, I think we're not going to have one in this episode just as I'm speaking out loud, we, yeah, we decided just, on one, yeah. but I'm not comfortable with it. Even it's as we're going through hard because we just don't feel good about anything. But what we did decide on is in this one, David Onama, he's currently minus 145 against Gabriel Benitez. I mean, there's a lot more film on Benitez, but what we saw out of David Onama, we liked a lot against Mason Jones, but it's like, are we really going to piggyback off a loss? I mean, there's a lot of just question marks circling here. Both these guys are very talented. But David Onama is going back to his natural weight at 145, which is a lot better. It, it, this whole thing is just kind of a mess. But this fight is going to be an interesting one no matter which way we lean. We ended up leave, uh, leaning on Onama. Do you want to piggyback on that at all, just why we picked Onama? Yeah, he, he has good stand-up. He's got real KO power. He trains at Glory MMA with James Krause, who we hold in high respects as one of the best coaches. I think he'll have a really good game plan to be able to slow Benitez down. That being said, Benitez is also pretty good stand-up as a southpaw. He's kind of un unorthodox for a guy like Onama to be able to prepare for. And he's most likely the better grappler, even though he doesn't shoot for a lot of takedowns. I just saw Onama get absolutely ragdolled anytime Mason needed to grapple because they were exchanging on the feet pretty, pretty Even, evenly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But Onama was just no match for him on the ground. As you said, short notice, up a weight class. I assume he's going to be at the more prepared for. Well, luckily, too, Benitez doesn't bring that type of style, which is right. nice. Yeah. And I've been on Mowgli recently, too, and he's disappointed. He got – who did he get fucked on, like, most recently out? It was uh, – oh, um, Billy Quarantillo just destroyed him, and, and I actually was on Mowgli there, so – I don't know. Onama was our most comfortable or, or one of them. It's in the running, but it's just tough to try to force an ankle lock. We never want to do that. Okay. Mario Batista versus short notice fill-in Jay Perrin. I know nothing about Jay Perrin. I was prepping for this fight back when he had his original opponent in Kali Taha. But Mario Batista, I think he's either teammates or friends with Jonathan Pierce. JSP came on recently, showing a lot of uh, – he, he he's a big fan of Mario Batista. The line against Taha was much closer to even. This one's a little bit inflated. It's minus 340 for Batista, plus 280 for Jay Perrin. Yeah, Batista's coming off of a bad um, knockout loss to Trevin Jones. is a big favorite, and I think that he'll be able to have a big bounce back here and get the finish, in all honesty. Perrin is a guy that, from the one fight I saw, he got himself into a couple really bad positions and just kind of had to Derek Lewis muscle his way out of them, which is a really bad look for these lower divisions or lower weight classes. Bantam weights should be not muscling their way out of anything. And you're not going to be able to muscle your way out of stuff against Mario Batista. 
Um, so I think he, I think he'll be able to get a finish here and, and bounce back in the win column. No, and I don't disagree with that either. It's just like maybe a parlay piece, but there's really no way to play this fight without lowering those odds because it's too risky. And it's just continuing with the theme of this card. So now we have another short notice replacement. Jonathan JSP Pierce, he talked about it in his interview. Uh, he's an ankle picker himself at this point, not even a friend of the pod. He is the pod. Great guy, but he's fighting a guy making his debut undefeated in Christian Rodriguez, and the line is quite hefty. Um, it's it's Jonathan Pierce minus 360, Rodriguez plus 300, but it's warranted. I mean, Jonathan was talking about how he he sees, you know, a first-round finish with his prediction, and, and he feels really comfortable where this fight lines up. But again, to me, if you're going to lay Jonathan Pierce straight, it's I think it's got to be in a parlay. I have full faith in Jonathan Pierce. It's just, you know, he's planning for a different fight, and there's a lot of juice on that one. But you could play the prop game with that first-round finish or or to win inside the distance. But it's an it's an interesting fight that I'm just excited to see just because Jonathan's such a good friend, not because of any betting opportunity. Yeah, I grabbed him yesterday morning uh, right after we had talked to him at minus 320 on DraftKings. I just figured that that would just become a much bigger line. C-Rod does fight out of Rufus Sport, Milwaukee. Jared Gordon, the Pettis brothers, Felder have all kind of been praising him and then talking about him, how good he could be. Um, they say he's an amazing kickboxer. They, he loves the counter. He's got a good dart series, a guillotine. I'm also looking, though, that he missed weight for his Dana White Contender Series fight. And then his next fight after had to fight at a catch weight up at 150 and is now fighting at 145 on short notice. I'm curious to see how he's going to weigh in on the scale. Um, Pierce is definitely going to be able to get off his grappling that we know he's famous for, plus a five-inch height advantage. I'm not so worried about C-Rod being able to catch him with some random hook. It's going to be really difficult for C-Rod to strike for him. thing, too, about Jonathan is he's the type of guy that even if C-Rod makes weight, or misses Wade. I see him still taking that fight, taking that purse and going for the finish. So, Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, the one thing I have to say, even though it pains me and I don't want to say it, talking to Jonathan a couple days ago, it really feels like he's looking past C-Rod and yeah. looks maybe like a letdown spot. No, I think absolutely. he's way better than him, and I think he's right to think that he's way better than him, but it's tough. No. A hundred percent. And I, I agree with you, but I would be remiss to count him out ever. I mean, he's going to smoke him in my opinion, obviously. Also, it does help. As he mentioned, uh, C-Rod's contender series fight versus Tracy Cortez's little brother. Um, Tracy Cortez's brother is a teammate of JSP. I have to assume that the same kind of coaches have already game planned for Christian Rodriguez, and that makes them a little bit more confident in whatever he's going to bring and knowing that nope. JSP is going to have the answer. And that's why we see JSP is so as confident as he was. And maybe that comes to us as looking past it, but it's being confident for a good reason because you're prepared. Yeah, that is a huge part of it. The other thing too, just want to like a little tidbit is when this fight initially got announced, they had him as the curtain jerker. They have now moved him to the prelim prelim main event, which I love. I think this is a big spot to get some eyeballs on on Jonathan, and it's well well deserved. Obviously, he's been putting in the work and stopping two tough guys as a dog back to back. Obviously, we have nothing but amazing stuff to say about Jonathan, but uh, really excited to watch that one. Okay, let's get to the main. Before card. Before we get to the main card, yeah. before we do logistics, I want to chime in real quick. Yep. 
prelim main event, that's JSP's fight, going to be right at 5.30 Central. So if anybody wants to tune in specifically for that, I know fans of the pod probably are interested in specifically JSP's fight. 5.30 will be 30 minutes before the main card starts. And Danny, I just want to make specific note of the fact that you have JSP play it already. This one probably would have been our ankle lock had we been allowed to play the game with somebody over minus 300, which is not the yep. case. Yeah, I, I, that is that is true. We are capped at a 300 or worse line. And to be honest, I don't feel like I'm giving you all the best value on the ankle lock if I'm picking right. over 300 is what right. I'm trying and to that, say. We, we've been trying to do that from the beginning too, like finding dog spots for real. Like we, we, there were times where we were like, we'd pick the 125 that we like over the three. Cause we could always say all day long. Yeah. This 350 is not going to win or lose. You know what I mean? That's, there's no fun in that. And we continue to try to give you the best value value possible. Okay. I think that hopefully clears it up for anyone listening. We're always trying to do the best for you guys. But let's get let's get to the main card. Assuming the logistics are over, I know Country Club is is might as well work it, um, might as well work at UPS with his logistics. But let's talk main card. Joaquin Buckley is fighting Abdul Razak Al Hassan. This one's been on the back burner. I think it's gotten moved from multiple cards. I think I I don't know, but this is a must see television. Dan, I, I floated the idea of this fight ending in the distance. You said you weirdly liked the over. I, I didn't disagree with you. Both these guys bring a very similar game plan. Both these guys are killers, and both these guys are ginormous muscle hamsters. Um, I, I, don't, I, I don't even know what to make of this other than do not bet either side. That I can guarantee you because you'll find out that whoever you bet on has their lights turned off. It's too risky. Yeah, I don't have a ton more to add. Oh, Major KL power on both sides. Before before you add, I just want to say that Buckley is minus 165. uh, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan is plus 145, so close line. Sorry, Dan, go ahead. No, and I think they're great lines. Both guys, major KL power. I do think Al-Hassan is much more reliant on that power. First-round KO bust kind of guy, while Buckley has shown, at least in the last fight, even though he got head kicked really quickly, that he does have some combos and some ability to – uh, mix it up and not just throw haymakers. I also tend to think he he's bigger than Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, which will only really play into the factor if Joaquin Buckley somehow like throws a grappling game plan in there. But as Reese alluded to, I wouldn't be that surprised if this is a staring match. I wouldn't be that surprised if they spend two to three minutes awkwardly wrestling. I think that this one's going to be a little bit like they're wary of their power, a little bit standoffish. And uh, that's why I like the over, like you said. But even if that does happen, even if that does happen, still I wouldn't blink because it only takes one. But I kind of agreed, and the over, if it, is it one and a half or two and a half? Do we have that? Rate? It's one and a half. I'm pulling up the number right yeah, now. That that seems like something that I could get behind. Uh, but while you're looking at the number, let's introduce the next fight. Jim Miller making his record fights in a career this this fight right here is makes him the most walks to the octagon so the most fights ever taken inside the ufc and he's fighting nicholas mata who is a 12 and 3 prospect just coming off the contender series so making his ufc debut here and it's a tough draw just because of the experience miller brings to the table mata's minus 175 miller's plus 155 the only spot i saw dan was potentially Miller because I love playing the Wiley old vet. I love playing the guy that's a threat everywhere and has that crazy experience. 
But at the same time, it's like they have like opponents and Mata's fared better. Mata's hungry. He's in his prime. He, he's, he's on a, a crazy win streak. So that makes me more apprehensive. And so I don't. My only tidbit before y'all yeah. dive in too quick is Miller opened up minus 190. So Vegas yeah. had him pegged pretty heavy favorite. It's a lot of line movement. Yeah, a ton. Sharps move it down, I mean, over a whole point. So that's kind of crazy. Yeah, and it's because Mata has that prestigious kickboxing background. He's not the best grappler. So if Jim Miller is able to be on that front foot and get a takedown, he could easily steal some rounds. But Mata's going to try and avoid this fight hitting the mat at all, at all, at all costs. Uh, obviously, Miller's a vet, a legend, but I think he kind of needs to hold Mata down for 15 minutes and not get tagged. I just think that Mata's going to tag him. Like Reese said, he's yeah. in his prime. Jim Miller's age is going to catch up. I think Mata's going to be able to tag him at least once here. And, and I just do want to mention that I'm not betting it. I it, I just think I'm a little bit more on the Miller side. Like I'm closer to agreeing with Vegas than I am agreeing with this current line. But, and I've got that number for you on the uh, over one yeah. and a half. It's minus 105 over on five dimes. So close oh, to even, a, but with a little more value on the over one a, and a half. It's a, it's almost like a heavy late. It's yeah. a heavyweight line for, yeah. for the middleweights. You know what? That will see my card. There's no way these guys come out there like they have and just instantly throw hammers. I'm going to put a little bit on that over there. Dan, this fight's a fight you like more than me. Main card, 265 heavyweight fight. Parker Porter versus Alan Baudot. Baudet, Baudet. Doesn't matter how you pronounce it. Parker Porter's minus 260. Baudot is plus 220. For me, I'm staying away because Parker Porter hasn't shown me anything that warrants a minus 260 for a heavyweight. And Baudot hasn't shown me anything to ride a plus 200 as a heavyweight. I just want to stay as far away from this as possible. I don't know. Do you have a different opinion? I like Parker Porter. Um, I think that he was a little unlucky to run into uh, the big Dalkus when he did. I think that the wins over Sherbert and Parisian have showed me that he's improved a lot. And if I'm remembering correctly, that Dalkus was short notice and he had to cut something like 30 pounds to get to the heavyweight limit on short notice for that, which yeah. um, to me is just size. To me, it also is just a little bit more excusable that he got knocked out. Um, I think his chin is good enough to really not be in trouble from the first onslaught that Baudot is going to throw. We saw him tag Nascimento early before Nascimento was able to easily take him down in the second and get that sub. Um, but I, I think that Parker Porter is going to beat Alan Baudot pretty easily in the second and third to a 29-28 decision. Um I just think he has to survive that first onslaught from Baudel. Well, there you go. That would be hell of a prediction for a heavyweight fight to win, go 29-28. I'd love to see that. All right, co-main event. Kyle Dawkins, the younger Dawkins, against Jamie Pickett. This is a catchweight fight. They both usually fight at 185. This is going to be at 195 due to it being short notice. On behalf of, I believe, Jamie Pickett is the one being the fill-in here. The line is ginormous. It's... Kyle Dawkins minus 265, Pickett plus 225, which I believe is a fair line. I know Danny was a little bit lower on set the spread. I set a potential spot here. It could be this fight to end inside the distance plus 120. I floated that idea out there for the ankle lock. That might see my card. I think that both these guys are finishers. Jamie Pickett's path to victory is a finish. 
Kyle Dawkins is going to be looking for that finish, looking for that sub. If it hits the mat, it's going to be finished within a couple minutes. So I like that inside the distance, but I don't like either of these guys straight, Dan. I like Dawkins a little bit, and I might have him in a parlay. I've come around on him since we did that yeah. set the spread. Um, he, he's shown that he's more than capable of striking in that Kevin Holland fight. And plus, he's just a phenomenal grappler on paper, jiu-jitsu black belt. But especially kind of what I see from those grips in the clinch, he's really, really great at uh, controlling limbs, making sure he stays out of danger from elbows and, and just short strikes and knees. And he's just a really, really smart grappler. We saw it versus Brendan Allen. Um, he's a guy I think can can really make waves in this division. And I don't think Jamie Pickett is going to cause him too many problems. Like you no, said during set yeah. the spread, he's physically gifted but can't seem to put anything together and, no. and use that for his advantage. And that's the reason why if you do bet Daukas, which I agree is where the side I am leaning – Having that in the in the distance insurance wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because if he does lose, I would be stunned if it was on the cards. I would be mm -hmm. stunned. It would be the it would be the weirdest fight maybe in the history of fights. All right, let's get on to the main event. This is the other spot that we were thinking of. It's Jamail Hill, first time ever being the main event, fighting Johnny Walker, who I believe was the main event with that Tiago Santos fight or his most recent time out. Johnny Walker's a draw. Jamail Hill's looking to become that draw. This fight's at 2.05, and it's set for five five-minute rounds. The line is Jamail Hill minus 2.45. Johnny Walker plus 2.05, and the line opened at 2.40. So it's really, it has not moved much at all and is now slotted up in the main event. Danny and I teased the idea of maybe going Johnny Walker, especially because the new style he brought to the table and that Tiago Santos fight was interesting. It's, it's showing that he's progressing as a fighter. He changed camps. He's fighting with uh, John Kavanaugh now out in Ireland. That's a big move. I he's a big light heavyweight too. Huge, he long, very long. Um, mm -hmm. And so Jamel Hill, a guy who who's used to being able to stand and be the longer fighter 79-inch reach, and Johnny Walker's got 82. So this might be one of the only times that he's actually giving reach. Yeah, Walker used to be this golden boy prospect of the division. Um, since then, obviously, he's been humbled by Corey Anderson, Nikita Krylov, and then the Tiago Santos fight that you mentioned. But that's not so much as a humbling as it was just being outstruck by a phenomenal top-level Muay Thai striker. And that's where Reese and I really agreed is that this new style of Johnny Walker, this patient style, as much as he got outcountered by the top level of striking, is a, is a really significant puzzle to solve. He threw a ton of feints. He moved around a ton. His movement was great. He seemed like he was hard to hit. Um, I know that Tiago had a, lot, a little bit of success with some body kicks in the middle of the rounds, um, but it, it, it felt like... Walker was just a really difficult puzzle to solve more than anything else and was able to kind of tag him with some leg kicks some calf kicks, um, a couple jabs and not, nothing really significant, but it's hard to, to really land significant stuff on Tiago when you make it a 25 minute Muay Thai fight. Yeah. Uh, Jamal Hill is just a little more unproven to me. He has looked phenomenal aside from getting caught in that sub. He's patient. He's dangerous. He's accurate. He's just not, to me, as smart on the 
feet as a Tiago Santos. And I think that a guy like Walker being long and being tough to jab up and really get that Jamal Hill game plan off is, is going to be a difficult puzzle to solve. Yeah, it's just the recklessness. If he's not reckless, I really think that he actually poses a good threat in this fight. It's just can that camp switch and that even with that the new patient style not going his way, is he still willing to commit to it? I'm hoping yes. I think that if if he does commit and he's continued to grow, this is going to be one of those lines that we look back on. We're like, wow, we got Johnny Walker at plus 205. You know what I mean? There's always been that aurora around him to be something great. And then there's this other way to play this fight that I'm toying with the idea, but it's not something I usually like. We mentioned that Johnny Walker is coming off of a main event. He just fought 25 minutes. You look at Jamal Hill, round one finish, round one finish, round two finish, round one finish, three round decision over a year ago, then finish, finish, finish. What happens if this fight goes into four? What We've never seen Jamal's gas tank. We don't really know what that is. It could be phenomenal. Yeah. We've seen Johnny Walker's, and there is that element of preparing for a five-round fight is completely different. And so the way I was saying to play it that I don't recommend but wanted to bring up is maybe a hill in round one, hill in round two, and then play Walker from there. Because I think that there's a realistic chance that Hill knocks him out from Walker being reckless. Like we said, that's one of our biggest concerns. But after it gets in, in 10 minutes into the fight, 12 minutes into the fight, I've never seen Jamal 100%. Hill fight 12 yeah. minutes. I've just never seen it. The longer this fight goes, I would be hard-pressed to say it doesn't lean towards Walker. But it's, it's that recklessness. Can he control it? Can he believe in it? I think the gym change is going to say yes. My pick here is Walker at the plus line. Um, I think that there's value to be had. I really do. I agree. I think that's a better number. Like we just said, if this fight lasts for 10 minutes, we've seen one of them fight for 10 minutes. We've seen one of them fight for 20 minutes. We have not seen the other. Right. Right. And, And the thing too, is there's so much evolution in this game. We see them continuing to grow. And Johnny Walker, I think has learned more about what his strengths and weaknesses are than Jamail Hill has in his UFC stint. So there's a lot to, there's a lot of questions to be answered and they're going to be answered this Saturday, which is just, I'm beyond excited and I'm getting ready for it. I'm gearing up just thinking about it. Kobe, you, you've been as patient as ever for me. And, and I think that this is probably the quickest angle pick pod we've had. Would you do the honors of wrapping us up with a poha being the producer and the unsung hero of this whole thing? Happy to do so. Let's go JSP on the way out. Yep. Stay ready, stay hungry. And can I get a pull Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.